so we don't get canceled. All right. Hey, there we are. Yeah. I think we're live, guys. Facebook has Facebook will cancel you if you go past your time that you say you're going to go live. They don't have time for shenanigans, Ben. No. Hey, this yep. is Matt Tebby. Culture taken too far. I'm here with Ben, who's making coffee. Hey. Uh, I am. Uh, and Isaiah, Isaiah Fessel is here. Hey, Isaiah. Hello. Member of the table. Andrea Reinhardt is here. Hello, Andrea. Hello, everyone. You've been uh, on Table Chat before as one of the College of Preachers, but I uh, thought we'd have a conversation today about our um, our sermon this past Sunday. Yes. Uh, Matthew chapter Which, 7. Matt, you preached. I did. You preached. Yep. Yeah. Barely. Barely got through it. Do not it. judge. Barely got do, through it. Do not but, judge. Without what? What do you mean? What do you mean barely well, got through it? Uh, it was, a, I, I didn't sleep well the two nights before. I was kind of oh, yeah? saucy. Yeah, we're going to talk about it, but I, I went off my notes and just sort of ad-libbed. Which, mm, uh, okay. Who knew the ad-lib Jake, would... Uh, Isaiah's, Isaiah's shaking his head. He's like, that's what went wrong. <laughs> Matt rarely does that. I don't understand what happened. He so rarely goes off his that'll teach. That'll teach weird. me, right? That happens. Me. <laughs> it is weird. All right. Um, All right. All right. Well, that, that's good. Um, let's, let's get into it. Um, before we do so, though, uh, just so we can establish context, just in case you're not part of the table and or you weren't there for worship. Um, it's one of the, by the way, side note, sidebar. Uh, one of the discomforts I have, I don't think we should stop doing it, but one of the discomforts I have with recording our sermons and publishing them is that we're taking a part of a worship service that was meant to be a whole thing. Mm -hmm. And we're sort of putting it out there as a thing. And uh, yeah. sometimes, that, sometimes that doesn't end up doing good work in terms of our sermon prep and in terms of our... Um, yeah, just uh, hearing it. So anyway, that sidebar noted, it is out there in the world. We are going to record it as we're recording this. Uh, but just in case we need some context, Andrea, I wondered if you would read for us the passage of the Sermon on the Mount that we uh, uh, read in worship this past Sunday. Yep, you bet. Matthew 7, 1 through 6. Stop judging others and you will not be judged, for others will treat you as you treat them. Whatever measure you use in judging others, it will be used to measure how you are judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log from your own eye. Then perhaps you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Don't give what is holy to unholy people. Don't give pearls to swine. They will trample the pearls, then turn and attack you. The word of the Lord. Thanks. Thanks be to God. Be to God. Yep. Great. All right. Matt, do you want to give us a, uh, just a recap, maybe? Uh, tell us what your good news was, and then yep. um, maybe a recap of um, what you were emphasizing there in the sermon. Yes. Um, the good news is that Jesus's justice runs in the power of repentance. So into a partisan world where the power of rightness is what uh, is just, right? Being right, other people being wrong, and where we perpetuate injustice in order to win. Today, we receive the gift of repentance. Christ is full of mercy. We can see clearly that God's justice is present among us in the gift of repentance. The message was, I mean, this passage, most people are familiar with this passage. I think this is one of the passages that, like, unbelievers quote at believers. <laughs> right, like the, right. Don't, like don't, don't judge don't judge me 
Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so we just talked about a, two things. One, um, there's there's sort of this vacillation between Christians or religious people being these condemning people, kind of high and holy and mighty, lording it over people, versus sort of the other side, which is only God can judge me. Haters back off. Uh, it's all good. Um, you, you can't ever uh, critique or criticize what I'm doing. And I think what Jesus is talking about here is he's not talking about not making moral discernments. He, Jesus, the entire Sermon on the Mount is one big moral discernment. What he's talking about is using, using your power or your influence or your authority to make pronouncements that are only God's to make. Um, so, so that's what he's chatting about. And then he's saying, if, hey, if you really want, if you really care about right, right and wrong, deal with your own wrong. Because your own wrong inhibits you from seeing clearly other people's wrongs. So much so that you can't tell that your wrong is a log and other people's are specs, right? So your wrong is hundreds or a thousand times worse than somebody else's. So repent. Take the log out. And then you can actually see clearly. And you also actually have the character to morally discern now. And you can see clearly to help other people take their specs out as well. So I contrasted that with just sort of the world we live in, where, man, to be wrong is to like lose everything. And so we see we see authorities and leaders and people with power doubling down. Um, I, I mentioned uh, the debates, right, where people obfuscate and accuse and um, deflect questions that of their wrongdoing. And just called on Christians then to become people who demonstrate the goodness and the power of repentance to a world that can't be wrong. Yeah. And then I may have talked about how people have in power have used God uh, to make moral declarations uh, that condemn others. I may have said something about that, too. That was the gist. Okay. I think, I think that's very good. Yeah. Yeah. So um, one of the things that I um, have sometimes heard about this passage is something that you kind of deconstructed there where it's like, um, you can never like do this passage means like, Hey, you're a sinner too. So don't try to tell anybody else that mm. they're sinning or don't ever like, don't ever critique anything or anyone don't ever, you know, make any moral discernments um, mm -hmm. because, Hey, you don't know the whole story and who knows, you know, they, you know, everybody's having a hard day, you know, <laughs> that, that kind of thing, um, which, you know, that that's, that's something we uh, could keep in mind, but yeah, sort of deconstructing that and saying that there is a, uh, it's not just a flat statement here, but it is a, uh, there's power kind of embedded into this where the people yes. who are judging, which, you know, I think uh, the, the word there has the connotation of condemning, Right. Yep. The word is 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 it's not just deciding between two things, but it is um, declaring someone condemned uh, or ostracized or bad, you know, that kind of thing. Um, that it's not that we can't um, sort of make moral discernments, but it's that they're um, the people who are in a position to condemn um, are doing this uh, condemning. Um, yeah. In, in a way that doesn't reflect the justice of God. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Isaiah, Andrea, I'd love to hear 
from uh, from y'all. What uh, just responses, um, additional thoughts, maybe questions that you have about some of these uh, things that you heard on Sunday and that we're talking about now. I can go first, I guess. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I first of all, I just this sermon hit me right in the feels, right? Uh, as I was listening <laughs> to it, uh, not just because, uh, like from a philosophical standpoint or something like that, but just like personally, like I'm mm. very invested in being right. Like that's something mm. that uh, I think, you know, I get a lot of my self identity from like, trying to figure out what the right thing to do and all that sort of stuff. Um, mm. And so winning as repentance, not winning as uh, being right is a really good recalibration for me personally. So I want to say thank you, first of all, for that. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I was sort of thinking more about, I, I was thinking more about the sermon on Sunday actually. Uh, and thinking just like, like, how does this work practically? Right. Because like if I'm always like pulling logs out of my eye, mm -hmm. uh, how can I like it's easy to say, you know, pull out the log from your own eye before you can make a, you know, judgment to sit before you can say, hey, let me help you with that spec. What does that even look like practically? Because I was thinking like, hmm. uh, you know, the drunk babysitter is maybe like an easier <laughs> one to think about. But I was thinking I was thinking about like my wife, like interactions we have around like parenting. Right. Like. Uh, if I'm like yeah, yeah. going to my wife and being like, Hey, uh, you know, stop yelling at the kids like that. Right. Which to be honest, we both have a tendency to do this. Right. And, and before I said that I was like, uh, well, actually let me first acknowledge that I often yell very often at the kids. My first reaction to that was like, well, she's going to be like, well, what gives you the right to say, yeah. you know, to, yeah. to say, don't yell at me. You do it all the time. You're even admitting it right in front of me. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I got thinking more about it and I was like, but you know what? I think if I did that, actually, that that's not the reaction that my wife would have. Mm. If I said, Hey, I know I'm the first one to yell at the kids often. Mm -hmm. And so out of that, like, I see, and I understand what's happening inside you and you, and I don't think this is doing good work for you because I know it doesn't do good work in me, mm. you know, mm -hmm. uh, that actually her reaction not be like, what gives you the right? Or if it <laughs> is, it's, it, it, I don't think it would be because I know my wife, but also because I don't think, I think often like that sort of honesty is sort of shocking and pulls us out of our defense mechanisms. Um, and, but, but that got me thinking and it was like, if that like, when I think about just the way the world works, like what gives you the right? And you can't say that because you're that way is absolutely something we hear all the time. Like just in media, like you, yep. like if, if Trump came out and was like, you know, not to get too political here on election day, but if he was like, you know, <laughs> stop mistreating women, we'd all be like, okay, now like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, Oh, the irony. Right. 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 Um, you can't talk to my wife like that. Yeah. That was, yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So like this whole like you can't say that because you're that sort of person yourself is really something that pervades our culture. But yeah, I got like it made me start to reflect like maybe that whole ethic is just unhelpful. Like this idea that what gives us the right to speak uh, 
to what gives us the mandate to speak on issues of right and wrong or just a, about people's specs is not our own moral purity, but actually right. it's something else. And so my initial response was maybe it's our repentance that gives us that right, like right to what the sermon was. And then I got nervous and was like, okay, am I just making the new moral game in town repentance? Right. And um, I'm kind of curious, yeah. I guess. I don't, I, I'm sure that's where I sort of am right now. It's like, I, maybe that's, maybe that's the answer or maybe it's something else. But like, I think the sermon pointed out to me, like, it's not moral purity that gives us the right mm. to speak. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's the thought mm, that's been right. popping around in my head. Yeah. Yeah. That's super interesting, man. So maybe one way of looking at this passage is, is to interpret the log in my own eye as the, as of the same kind as the speck I see in your eye. So if I'm seeing a speck, it means, well, I probably have a log in my own eye and I got to mm. like sort myself out. You know, like I have to make sure that I don't yell at the kids for three years before I ever <laughs> ask my wife to stop doing that. Right. 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 When, when it's like it's like that, that sort of obscures the whole issue, because it's not about like in that moment. Hopefully it's about the kids, you know, mm. not about who's right about yelling. Right. It's about, no, I'm, I'm actually doing this out of love for my kids because I know this is not good for them, you know. And so. Um, right. So it obscures that whole thing. So I think that's that's an interesting um I think that a lot of uh, us have thought about it that way, that there's a like moral, moral purity gives me the right to do this rather than I think reorienting it and saying, um, I mean, to put it in language that we use all the time at the table, like the, the way that we make moral discernments is by processing our own kairoses. That is, that's another way to kind of say, I think what you were saying on Sunday, Matt, like the way that we make moral discernments is not, we can't bypass the processing of our own kairoses. If we bypass our kairoses, we're missing something. We're probably judging. We're probably condemning. seems like one way to put it. Yeah. What are yeah, your thoughts? And, yeah. Well, it really, what you said, Isaiah really intersects with probably like a big way that I was reflecting on this. Um, good news, which really felt empowering to me, Matt, because I've been aware over the past couple months that I've been, wrestling was thing related to this which is that a lot of times I'm really in touch with like my own shame and my own responsibility and my own failings mm -hmm. like I'm super in touch with my own feelings more so than being able to say these are your feelings so in a big way even if I'm having conflict with someone I will kind of withhold I'm kind of echoing is it echoing for you guys badly no okay great um I will end up not entering into the, <laughs> I'll, I'm laughing at Joel's comment. Um, I will end up not entering into the conflict because I will automatically say, oh, I'm pointing out this thing, but I already know that I also do this thing and I have this beam. And so it keeps me from like dealing, dealing with it. But I think what's liberating is to say, no, the point isn't to ignore that there's a beam and to ignore that there's a spec, but to say, if we're part of a community and we can bring that um, and someone can say, I forgive, like repentance means also forgiveness. So like, I forgive you mm. for the beam and being able to, to actually deal with the beam and the spec um, that feels super empowering to me because otherwise it's like, well, then I just internalize and have shame and don't ever engage when it involves yeah. someone else. So there's so much fear about, well, you're going to see my beam. So what's the point of like, throwing that out there yes yeah and i think this is 
you guys are really helping me because I think I, I'm assuming things that I'm not saying. So one of the ways that I'm trying to handle the same scenario that we're talking about with my wife isn't to like make sure I get make sure I get my heart right and my behavior right before I correct her. But it's rather to um, confess my solidarity in the thing that she's wrong with. So instead of a, a finger pointing at her, I come alongside her and I say, um, I'm noticing that we are yelling at the kids a lot. And A, it doesn't work. And B, it leaves us feeling really grouchy. Let's, what, what can we do? What's a better way for us to handle X, Y, and Z? I think there's something about confessing solidarity in the thing that you see wrong that is at work in what I was trying to do on Sunday. And I, I'm not sure I, and Isaiah, this gets to the email you sent me, I think. I, I think it does. Uh, tell me if I'm wrong about that. Um, and I don't want to unfairly or um, haphazardly summarize your the email you sent me, but, um, you know, I, 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 I see sort of the complicity in like, a white supremacist nationalism right now with the American church in particular, uh, the evangelical church, you know, I think I saw, you know, 81% voted for Trump in 2016 of uh, eligible uh, people who voted 81%. And I think this year, a month ago, the number was down to a whopping 78%. And so like there, <laughs> there is a, um, a complicity or, a, um, so I guess I guess that bothers me, and I think it bothers most of the people in our church, and it bothers a lot of Christians. And I, I think my answer to that isn't to basically harangue and go on a diatribe about how wrong that is. But I think my application of Matthew 7 to that is, okay, where is this addiction to power, this white supremacy, this need to be in charge, to call the shots? Where is that? at work in me and how do I, how do I own that I'm a part of the wrong I see in order to rectify the wrong I see? I think that's the assumption I'm making in this text. Now I, I submit to you guys, I don't know if that's the right application of this text, um, but that's my imagination for how to get past the thing you're talking about, Isaiah, where you just, Make sure you're morally pure before you pull something out of somebody's eye. Well, what do you? What are your thoughts on that, Isaiah? Maybe first, since that's a response directly to I think what you were talking about. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the first thing that comes to mind—it's sort of addressing it head-on, but maybe not so much—is like I'm not sure that uh, that wasn't what you're saying in your sermon. I just think it's so easy for me and probably for other people to hear something else, you know, like to hear, um, taking, to hear taking specks out of somebody's eyes as pointing the finger. Yeah. Um, yeah. because that's all the imagination we have for it, if that makes sense. Um, so, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's my first thought. Um, yeah. Uh, and I, 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 that, 
I don't I don't think that's a misunderstanding of the passage. I think I think that uh, the the those specs those that tendency to use power to to dominate others is something that um, that uh, hurts all of us. I mean, no matter our political persuasion, and that and that uh, not just hurts, but that in like lives in all of us, right? Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, I think I think uh, in the email I sent, I was just mentioning that uh, I think sometimes the applications for where we see the applications that I get from your sermons for where the power is being used and uh, the examples being used, if that makes mm -hmm. sense, mm -hmm. often feel like they only come from or almost always come from like a uh like one side of the aisle right and i wish it wasn't quite that way only because i know i have things that come from the other side of the aisle that need to be challenged as well if that yeah. makes sense like um and i need the whole of myself my blind spots my whole blind spots to be challenged in this church not just you know the blind spots as pervasive and maybe dominant as they are that come from uh, growing up in like a conservative you yes. know, tradition, which and 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 in like a absolutely white nationalist Christian understanding of the faith, which like continues to do destructive work in my own life. And so I'm so thankful for when yeah. those get yeah. called out. But um, yeah, I just know I just think like, hey, you know, so to put it in more stark terms, then, yeah, like brass tacks, like. Uh, I appreciate you naming and owning and repenting and confessing and in, in solidarity with sort of this white conservative white supremacy. But what about like a liberal leftist socialist ne neoliberal understanding of society? Like, how does this speak to that kind of mindset? Is that what you're saying? Like, what? How, um, do I, how does that? Need, how do those people need to repent too? E I guess I'm less interested again in like pointing fingers <laughs> and saying like, oh, these people need to repent. It's more like Isaiah, like you have a tendency and I would identify like it's hard for me to see my blind spots. Right. So I'll name I'll name things that I've come to see over the years instead of yeah. the things that are my blind spots, because I don't know what they, those are. Um, but like uh, for me, like I have a tendency to see freedom as defined as the ability as more to have more choices in life and i think that's mm. something that the left is a narrative the left tends to push whereas and i know that does destructive work in my life if that makes sense because i'm convinced that freedom is less about choices and more about being able to be the person i was the freedom to be the person i was created to be by god and so um yeah. And I, I think those sorts of things are pervasive in our culture and maybe not as in your face and problematic as like the white, like the, like, I want us to keep talking about like white, like, this is not me saying like, let's stop talking about the problems with white nationalist Christianity. Cause if there's a single lament I have in my heart, it's like that, you know, it's just too like, oh man, I see like when I, when I, read from the other side and when i like my my own tendencies to like want to like take like human rights language and put that at the center of my faith right like the destructive work that does for myself which i think comes from like the left often um and i'm less interested in right versus left but more just like the spectrum of like hey like 
the people who, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm saying that well, but I like, I, I need you. the whole I I of myself you. to be transformed, if that makes sense. Yes, I hear that and I agree with that. I think I'm coming up against, I'd love to hear Andrea, your thoughts on this too. And I'll speak for 20 seconds and shut up. I think that I come up against the limits of how to do that because for so long, like all I hear in my head is the scapegoating of that and how that was, how that was used as like a, um, a weapon to control people. So if you have unlimited choice, if you can use whatever pronouns you want, you can just decide based upon how you're feeling today, what, how you want to identify, then you're going to go to hell. And like, and so like uh, that critique is so like, I don't know, baked into me, not because I believe it just because I hear it all the time that I'm like, I, I don't want to sound like that. And I don't want, I don't want it to be collapsed into that antagonism that I think I stay away from it, Isaiah, because I don't, I don't want to do it poorly because it's done, it's yeah. been done poorly by Christians for so long. So I just, I own with you and confess that I think it's reticence out of fear for doing it wrong rather than going for it to try to be courageously faithful. Yeah. And let me just say like, I have, I come from the exact same place <laughs> and I think my hope is that I can subcontract out that work to you because I haven't heard <laughs> it too. right? It's like, oh man, I really wish Matt would challenge that part of my life because all I hear in my head, right, is the same thing you hear is like, I grew up with like that sort of critique that's like, so it's so harmful and it's just really an excuse for power, right? It's yes. just a rationalization for extending a way of life that just like hurts people right hegemonically so, like, controlling people yes yeah. yes yes and so like i i'm like i don't know how to critique this part of me that i know is doing unhealthy work but i can't to critique it feels like to move back to where i came from and so i was hoping you like i'm like oh matt maybe matt can help me with that <laughs> oh. um and maybe that's like putting off you know and that's not fair to you first of all no um, i receive it it is hard though being a white straight guy critiquing totally. that narrative in yeah. in in any way that does sound actually helpful mm. and not hegemonic. Totally. I don't know, Andrea Andrea Ben, you all have thoughts about this? Well, my initial reaction is partly that that kind of fits into maybe some of the critique of like the individual nature of that project, I guess, like part of that happens because of being in community. Part of that happens because we're having these conversations because other people are able to recognize the beams. We don't recognize, recognize the specs. We don't recognize. Yeah. Um, so I think my reaction is kind of like the more diverse our community is probably the more we're able to reckon with some of those things that are really hard because we are in a time and a moment where it's like very hegemonic and yeah. And because we don't want to repent, it kind of goes back to your good news, Matt, like because we aren't recognizing yeah. that it's space even for that to happen. So I think that's my initial initial reaction is thinking like that's not an individual project too. Mm. And that's hard. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. 
Yeah, I think I, I also have some thoughts about this. I think Isaiah, what I hear you naming is that in sort of identifying, like Matt, you're talking about, I'm identifying as this, you, you know, inside this, you know, you even said this in the sermon on Sunday, like we're in a conservative denomination. We are predominantly a white congregation, you know, that kind of thing. And I think the danger is though, that in, in lumping us in with what we see, you know, 81% of evangelicals who voted for Trump, like I would be amazed if 81% of our church voted for Trump, right? <laughs> right. I'm just, again, brass tacks, right? That's right. not us. We're not that. Nope. Even nope. though a lot of us come out of that, I wonder if so many of us have actually moved beyond it and don't even identify with it anymore that to hear a critique of it, it does just seem like finger pointing because it's like, well, that's not me. You're not, pre you're not actually preaching to me. We're sort of having this rally. Like the danger is we're going to have this rally where we point our fingers at, you know, those idiot white supremacists, those racists out there. Right. And, and even, you know, as much as we might try to say, no, this is us. It's like, well, is it anymore? You know, hmm. like, is it really like, I who wonder, are we, who are we preaching to? Are we preaching to this congregation right here in front of me? Yeah. Or are we preaching to the worst comment we saw on the internet last week? I agree. Oh, Andrea, internet went I agree down. with that. I, uh, she'll, hopefully she comes back. We'll let her in. If she yeah, comes. me too. I, I hope so. Yeah. Um, I don't know how to name that wrongness without identifying with it and not scapegoat and maintain the antagonism. Hmm. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. I so, I think, so, yeah. so I just imagine, so imagine, imagine this for a moment. Imagine Joe Biden getting up, talking about his Catholic faith and then owning, um, owning how, uh, how his Catholicism has been used to hurt people. Even, even the mixing of faith and America together in a way that's been unhelpful. And instead of, instead of like saying how dangerous Trump was saying this exists in me too. And in like, I, th I actually think that would be exceedingly prophetic. Yeah, I think so too. If, if think, people could get past, yeah. it was like a, uh, a gimmick. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, right. No, I, I think you're right, Matt. And I, I'm not saying it's the wrong move to make. I just think, uh, and maybe this is to your point, Isaiah, like, I think we need help. Like this lives in me too. I think we need help to know, well, where, how, yeah. Because all I can see is that I'm disgusted with it now that I see it. Right. Like, oh, this is awful. But like, how how is it present in me? Like, really, how is it? You know, like, let's name some really practical ways that it's present. Um, maybe maybe that's part of part of doing it rather than just asserting it. Oh, yeah, this mm -hmm. is present in me. Mm -hmm. But it's like, I don't know that that lands for I, I don't think it lands for me when I when I just hear that, you know, oh, sure, you know, sure, it's present in you. But how, you know, how is that continuing to be present? And I don't think the answer is to, like, not talk about it and die in us because these no. Christian nationalist white supremacist, you know, all the adjectives and adverbs, right, like lives in us. Like, it really does. It's not like it doesn't. Um, 
it does, but it's hard to, I, it's hard for me, I think, to identify, to feel like I'm being excavated in that, I guess, yeah. if it's, uh, yeah, if it's, if we're talking about like one, a part of a party that is pushing that narrative with the rest of the evangelical church, because like, to your point, Ben, I'm like, 11 years ago, I left that, you know, and I was sure, like, right. goodbye, you know, and, and I, right. I still feel like, like, I feel sometimes like this is maybe putting too much credit to myself, but I feel sometimes like Daniel, you know, like praying for Israel, like, you know, and being like, forgive us for our sins. Like, I still like feel like we are, uh, like, I still like feel condemned by evangelicalism, mm -hmm. I guess. But, uh, yeah, I, yeah, it's sometimes it's sometimes it's too easy. Maybe it's too easy to distance ourselves. And so I need a sermon that's like you are that. And then I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess I don't know. <laughs> Let me see if I can. And Ray, you want to share something? Go ahead. Go for it. Just kind of to respond to that. I missed a little bit. So, so sorry if this I think this will still track. Um, the difficulty too when you're talking about like political figures or something is to actually do this is really entrusting it entrusts our we're entrusting ourselves to one another in that process to be able to you know there's something that's like visceral in us about putting our beam out there for other people to be mm. able to acknowledge and so i think that like the trust mm. that we have to be able to do that as a, as a community there's like there's power in that happening in the church because mm. we're committed to that we have those relationships we can hold that with one another we cannot shame one another like we're putting out the things that are most shameful to ourselves and holding them out to someone else. And I think for a political mm -hmm. figure to do that in a political atmosphere, like that's impossible, right? Like who's going to mm -hmm. hold out the biggest thing that shames them for everyone else and be able to own it, you know, without, it's almost something like you have to do in relationship. You have to do it in community. Um, Cause it really requires trust and love, like to be able to hold that together. Yes, Andrea, mm -hmm. you're right. That's profound. All right. I, 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 wonder if, I wonder if I can flip this around and give an example of Isaiah, maybe what you're talking about, and then maybe we can all figure out how this, if this applies or how this applies. So maybe to, maybe to give like an example that may be more prescient to the people at the table would be the moral condemnation associated with cancel culture. That, that there are, maybe we're less guilty of doing what Trump's doing and more guilty of basically condemning Trump for who he is mm -hmm. and eliminating him. Um, and so that would be then our um, con judging or condemning. Um, I, I guess I, I'm wondering, it, does that fit our church? And if so, how do we know if we're just discerning, hey, you shouldn't be a misogynist. It's not funny to joke about those kinds of things with women. <laughs> and if we're actually doing the stuff that Jesus is saying don't do. Like, how do we know? How do we delineate between those two things? And... How does power play into this? Mm -hmm. Right? So 
So, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's hard. Like, a, I like, first I'll just say, I don't have the answers and it's obvious because I keep trailing away into silence. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but two, like something like cancel culture is like actually to me, an example of something that doesn't hit home for me. Like, I don't feel like people at the table participate in cancel culture. I don't, I don't worry that I'm going to be canceled because of what I say at the table, you know, like canceled mm -hmm. in friendships, you know, like, um, yeah, I don't know. Like mm -hmm. for me, it feels to talk about cancel culture feels like finger pointing at somebody else still, I guess, you know, like what is, or, or at least I, or maybe to do it, I would have to think we'd have, I'd, I'd need some excavation of like what in me, what, what about cancel culture lives in me? That desire to just, hmm. you know, uh, live without grace, you know, or or whatever it is about cancel culture that seems so, uh, you know, this moral purity, right? I, this moral purity idea that I think pervades cancel culture. Um, maybe once we got down to that, that would be like something that felt like I could like feel like, oh man, like here's where I am standing in solidarity with people who are perpetuating cancel culture. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that work of translation always needs to be done. You know, I think, you know, the Old Testament passage we read on Sunday was the prophet Nathan confronting David, um, which is a brilliant way of helping David cancel himself, right? And sort of mm -hmm. realize, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, like I've got a lot of condemnation for this other person that, I, that I'm thinking about that's doing these things, but I didn't even realize mm. how I was doing those things, right? I was blind to my own compl complicity in this, right? So I think that's also possible as well, right? That we can be, like one of the reasons it might not hit is that we're blind to our own complicity. Totally. Like we don't, I don't know how, how am I the man? You know, as Nathan said to, the, uh, to, to David, like you are the man. And David immediately understood kind of what was going on and mm -hmm. his need uh, to repent there. Um, but it feels like those, those connections you know, I, I know you're not saying you've got heavy answers, Isaiah, but I think those I, I just I mean, that's those connections need to be made, I think, to help us understand how we are the white supremacist or the or the racist. You know what I mean? Like, how how are we those yeah. things so that I can repent so that this doesn't just come across as what an idiot Trump is, you know, or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah I mean, this could just to your point, this I totally agree that like. To a certain extent, it's about the listener and their ability to like, you know, make those connections, right? And and sometimes some of us well, listeners, sure. myself included, yeah. are bad at pointing fingers at ourselves. Like maybe Andrea's yeah. really good at pointing fingers at herself, right? So no, I mean I'm serious. Like I'm serious. Like you, you were saying before how you see your own failings so much more yeah. clearly, yeah. right, than the failings of others. Where I don't think that's true of myself. And um, yeah. so that's work for me to well, do as a listener, you know? Well, I think it's also work for the preacher to do. You know what I mean? Like that, that is part of, and part of, I think, you know, to your point, Andrea, like even having this discussion, this is us like discerning these things together where it's like, for those of us who preach, it's really helpful to hear how it's coming across because there's oftentimes things that we don't think to say that we don't realize we need to say. So connections we need to make, like, oh, I didn't realize I needed to make that connection because it feels, you know, maybe it feels intuitive to me. And, you know, that doesn't make 
me better than anybody else. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, oh, this is a connection I make intuitively, but I have to learn how to make it more explicitly and help people make those connections so that it can be an opportunity to repent and not condemn, you know, <laughs> which would be ironic in a sermon that says, mm-hmm. do not condemn, you know, so good. Yeah. That, that kind of stirred up for me too. Just this idea of, I think, cause I keep thinking of like, there are times when the alternative is like, I'm not going to ever say like something is actually not good. Yeah. I'm not going to say something is destructive. I'm not going to say something is evil, you know? Right. And so I think part of it is like, recognizing there's a beam and a speck and not being able to move beyond, beyond that. I mean, not calling racism, racism or something like that, you know? So, um, right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of important too, that that can feels like it gets lost for me sometimes. Like it's not just about me grappling with grappling with it, grappling with the beam in my own eye. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it can become Um, that. Yeah. Andrea, I'm curious too, what you think about how power plays into this. So the thing that strikes me about Jesus's context is that the people that were oppressing and abusing people, it wasn't the secular left. It was the people, it was the religious elite, right? There were no, there were no, uh, like you had Herod who was doing a ton of bad stuff. And he may be the most, quote, secular leader in Israel. But Jesus spends very little time talking about him. It's amazing. Only when he's like only when Herod's brought up or he's drugged before Herod, does he actually critique Herod, even though Herod was a tyrant doing awful things. Right. He spends a lot of time engaging and critiquing and sort of doing the Nathan David thing with Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, lawyers, quote, religious leaders. That, you know, even and the, Sad, the Sadducees sometimes get labeled as, quote, liberal because they didn't believe in the resurrection. But that was the priestly class. Like, they were the high priest. The Sadducee was the high priest. You don't get any more, like, religious establishment than a Sadducee. So, I, all that to say, we talked a little bit of how the Sermon on the Mount is, is being preached to people who have been um, under the boot of religion in a way and how it's seeking to reclaim like Jewish piety for the common Israelite and even, even people beyond right. The Decapolis and beyond the river Jordan. Does a person without power have the ability to do what Jesus is saying? Don't do in Matthew seven, one. That's my question. Like, that's how I'm conditioned to read this. My eight-year-old can do this, right? Don't condemn in your heart. But is that what Jesus is that what Jesus is talking about, or is he talking about something more official, something more procedural, something more um, like hierarchical? Like being thrown out of a synagogue would be to condemn. That would be an example of, of how the Jews would condemn each other. But, you know, a Galilean couldn't throw somebody out of the synagogue. Especially not one born from a single mom. Yeah. 
Aren't those the people that, go ahead, Andrea. Oh, well, it, it was, I'm, I'm happy to listen to you, Ben, but um, I was actually thinking that I was reflecting on that even when you were preaching, because I think that's a good question because I was thinking, well, I have trauma, like people who have actually suffered injustice at the hand of someone else. It's not like you're saying to that person, Hey, don't bring up this speck in their eye. You know, why don't you focus on the beam in your eye? Like uh-huh. that could be like that taken in the direction, not accounting for power, not accounting for like that aspect of like, I have power and I'm passing this condemnation on you. I think that has to be part of it. Otherwise it becomes, we can't call, you know, any injustice injustice because you you have a you have a beam too you know i think that's exactly the opposite of what we've been saying like there has to be it almost seems like there has to be a power dynamic that we take into account as we're reflecting on that yes yes and i i think the other thing is that you know the sermon on the mount the immediate context i mean obviously there's all kinds of horizons here right there's like was this one sermon that Jesus gave to a group of people? You know, it's also in Matthew's gospel, which is written to a group of people, right? So there's all these horizons, you know, to, to think about. Um, but I, I have to think that Jesus is proclaiming some good news here. He's not just, he's not just like hoping that the Pharisees hear about this, you know, like this has to apply somehow to the poor peasant that's sitting there, you know, listening to do not judge. Well, what would that mean for me? And so I, I wonder, too, if we're coming back to, like, the necessity of making these connections. Because, yes, somebody who, you know, somebody who's a Galilean can't throw somebody out of the synagogue. But a Galilean can abuse their kids. Hmm. Um, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. a Galilean yeah. can yeah. take whatever power they do have. And we all have yeah. just a tiny bit of it. Some of us, very small amount. But take yeah. what power we do have and yeah. use it to abuse, to judge, to condemn you know what I mean? And, and, and kind of take that. And so I, I wonder if part of this is to say, yes, throwing somebody out of the synagogue because they, you know, because you don't like them, like that's wrong. But mm-hmm. so, so is yelling at your kids, you know, like, <laughs> like that's mm-hmm. condemning, like that's the same, it's the same dynamic. And to your kind of your point, you know, my kingdom, the, the, the point of your good news, Matt, like Jesus is saying, my kingdom runs on not figuring out who's doing the most damage. My kingdom runs on repent for the ways that you're condemning. How are you condemning? Yes, it's wrong to do that. It's also wrong to do that. The only thing that you can do, though, is take the log out of your eye. And then, but then, yes, you can, you can speak about injustice. You can do that. Um, As long as you're repenting, as long as you take that log out of your eye. Yeah. You know? I'll just own with you all that. That's, this is the part of the sermon I understand the least like how the power dynamics are at work here um, and what that means for our congregation. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's a good place to leave it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Well, what, here's one thing that comes to mind and then maybe it, maybe it is a good time to wrap it up. Like one thing that comes to mind is, like maybe we could examine like the rhetoric we use in order to call out injustice. So if we're going to, if we're going to speak about something that's wrong and we're using sarcasm, for example, mm-hmm. is that, is mm-hmm. that something that needs to be examined, right? Is sarcasm an illegitimate use of condemnatory rhetoric? Can I speak to this? That's a question. Sure. 
I had a friend tell me it was in the last week. This the is sarcasm that, is condemnatory. That my sarcasm sucks for him. Hmm. Yeah, hmm. we're we're on this we're on this text thread together with some other people, and I often make sarcastic comments or jokes like. Kind of like, you know, I don't know, Andrea, sometimes guys will like punch each other or like do like silly things. And you you know when it's good natured and you then you know when like there's tension. Like mm, silly things. Silly things. We just do silly things. <laughs> um and anyway, I, I had thought that like I was making like really ridiculous jokes, but this this brother reached out to me and he goes, Hey, um, I feel like you are big brothering me hmm. in this group. And I was like, really? And he's like, yes. And he said, the only reason I have language for that is because um, I do the same thing to my little brother. And my little brother called me on it a week ago. He said, you, you make comments that really hurt me. And, and then the, my friend was like, and I love my little brother. I would never really want to hurt him. But I was like using sarcasm and jokes to kind of big time him in front of other people. Yeah. Yeah. And he said, I'm really glad he spoke that to me because now I can speak to you what bothers me about the way you treat me on this text thread. And I was like, oh, man. Uh, anyway, yeah. I'm guilty of that. Yeah, that's that's how that's how I I think I big time people with jokes. Hmm. Yeah. And what an amazing example of the sermon in yes! your friend. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, how can you not? take his story of him with his little brother like how did that has such an impact on how you receive it right um yeah well, well because yeah. a i can't see it b i don't intend it c uh there's like 20 exactly. percent of me it's like dude get over it i'm not I, I you know we're friends get over it right those things all are happening in me but when he says i'm guilty of this too and i was doing it to somebody i loved and i just want to bring it before you without hesitation isaiah i was like Dude, I'm so sorry. Yeah, totally. Just because I felt like it was, I was free to be wrong with him. Yeah, exactly. He made it okay to be wrong. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, and I feel like you sharing that in this <laughs> in this context, right, frees us to be wrong, right? And and when, like, I've been mm. in churches before where. Uh, the pastor never talks about his own problems, you know, about their own struggles. And A, I think that's really healthy for the pastor. Like, you know, it, it forces them into some moral purity sort of framework where they have to like maintain the mm -hmm. standard. Right. But, mm -hmm. but also there's such a gift I feel like in you and, and, and all the other preachers actually who constantly yeah. share like, man, I'm really struggling with this or I, you know, I, I big time this friend in this text group, not not intentionally even. It gives us freedom. It sets a great. It, I just think it it's good for our church, and I really like that. You know, so all three of you preach. I appreciate all of you because I know all. I I can think distinct of distinct times when all three of you have preached and done that, and so I really appreciate that. Mm. I, when I was <laughs> not to like belabor this point, but like when Josie and I were looking for ch a church. Uh, literally on our list was like pastors who tell us about their own struggles. Like it was like in writing, like this mm -hmm. is something we care about because it makes such a difference. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I really appreciate that. Yep.
I do too. I appreciate the culture uh, that we we have. So. <laughs> you guys, we've been on here for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael's, Michael's reminding Michael's me, he's like, like what? I'm done. Going yeah. uh, what's going Let's on, Mom? Go outside, it's sunny. <laughs> it is. It, the weather is uh, turning really nice. So maybe that is a good reason to uh, wrap this up, guys. Okay. Uh, Isaiah, I appreciate, yes. appreciate your pushing us to be faithful. Andrea, I appreciate your wisdom the way you state things succinctly and clearly. Mm. Um, ben, I'll, I'll think of something I appreciate about you. Yeah, just... That, see, that's the kind of sarcasm that people are like, <laughs> that's it, right there. That's it, uh, As Ben dies inside just slightly. Yeah. Right, right. So, like, you know, uh, everybody knows I'm joking. Ben knows I'm joking. But then there's some people that are like, that actually hurts. Like, that thing hurts them. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah yeah anyway it, it may, it may be worth examining I, I may want to do a phd or something on sarcasm because it fascinates me because that that what you just did there that doesn't feel like the kind of sarcasm i'm thinking about there's like a mean-spirited othering there's something. yeah there's something there's there's some there's something out there about the way that like it's like clapping back on twitter it's like you know what i mean there's like this insider outsider group that you create when you use a certain sort of like mean spirited sarcasm mm. that feels to me like part of what Jesus was saying, like, Hey, that like, that's a log. Like you, you don't need to use those, that kind of rhetoric, right. To, to be able to call out uh, injustice. So mm. sort of painting someone as a, as an idiot or something like that. So anyway, so let's feel different to me. I know you appreciate me, Matt, in my heart I every day. I, I just know it. So I do. <laughs> All right, All right, everybody. Thanks for being here. Tell Michael thanks for loaning his mom to us. His patience, <laughs> incredible patience from that, that young little man. body. That little body is out though. He's out of patience. So go go care for him. Um, anyway, we'll see you. We'll see you all later this week. Love you all. Yeah, Peace, nice to be with you all. Bye. 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 Bye.